0: Hi, I'm Jess, and I'm the oldest.
1: Oi, I'm the oldest. I'm Shtee. I'm the dad, and this is actually my podcast. And I'm Tommy, I'm the youngest. Welcome to the podcast. At the the heart of hearts, we're all very creative. I've had a very interesting life.
2: You've travelled all over the world. I remember being... Oh, interesting. This is not how I remember this story. story, story, story. Pints are not a good
1: measure for filling Jacobs' (laughs) as (laughs) LAUGHTER
0: Welcome to this month's episode of The Podclarks, the podcast where we listen to our dad tell us stories from his life and generally have a good time.
2: Hooray, finally back together again. And this week we have a special guest, Andrew, who has featured in stories already. We've only had three episodes, but I'm sure you'll feature him in many more, including ones today. Um, Andrew is dad's friend from years gone by. Um, So do you want to say hi, Andrew?
3: Uh, hi, everyone. Yes, gosh, years gone by. I'm trying to think how many. I think it's about
1: 50. Well, we worked, out, we worked out last night that it's actually more than 50 years ago since we first first bumped really? into each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Since you first bumped into each other? How did, you, how did you meet?
1: Well, this was my introduction. So I want to talk a little bit about influencers during this podcast uh, episode. And influencers are big today. But one of my influences uh, came into our hometown of Godling around about the mid-70s, I think. And we lived in a cul-de-sac road, and just around the corner, a a new family arrived um, that sort of drove a coach and horses through our quiet, peaceful life. Um, It was (laughs) such an exciting family. Uh, There were seven children, two parents, and... most notable, or one notable thing, is there were two sets of twins in the one family, which is pretty impressive. Um, there were a couple of girls, which is always interesting, and lots of boys, which is also interesting. Uh, and uh, one of those was my good friend Andrew. And uh, I think we were both about 15, 16 at the time. And got up to all sorts of japes and wheezes. And uh, sort of loyal listeners will have heard the episode where I described um, climbing. Uh, through a door, over a door, to go into a tower to watch the beating of his retreat at a, at a school. And Andrew was one of the culprits in, in that former uh, <laughs> escapade, already described. Um, but Andrew's been a great influence in my life. And, uh, you know, you sometimes you meet somebody and they trigger things in you that probably might not have been triggered if you hadn't have, have happened to bump into each other. And Andrew's been one of those. And uh, so today's stories... Uh, since we happen to have him here by sheer good chance, uh, are surrounding things we got up to that are related to old telephones. That's the theme,
0: <laughs> That's the theme for this, uh, this, this
1: broadcast. I love that. <laughs> Excellent. So very early on, I mean, I think when we were still teenagers, um, Andrew, you opened my eyes to the fact that uh, the internal workings of a telephone, which are very different in those days to the modern portable phones, were things of absolute fascination and interest. I, I, I don't know where you got that from.
3: Well, I think I'd want to start by saying, uh, Stephen, you, you've talked about influences, but... Uh uh, Tommy and Jess uh, your dad was a massive influencer on me and uh, I think I've had the great good fortune that I've known him a lot longer than you have and you've known him all your lives I thought so, for a second you were going to say that you've known him a lot longer than he's known you I was
2: thinking, How's that going
3: to work? No no not, not quite that but I've definitely known him longer than you've known him Yeah, um. and um as he has been a massive influence. And I think I just wanted to start by saying, you know, your dad is interested in people. And wherever he goes, he makes friends and he is generous with his time. And you will know this quality in your dad. But so was he when we first arrived. As a family in Godalming, gosh, over fifty years ago, and um Stephen is always one to uh, make friends and 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 listens to other people's stories. so that's how we sort of bumped into each other and and met up and I think it's true to say we have had many, many happy um, happy times with all sorts of different escapades. I think is the word. <laughs> um, now, Stephen, you're going to have to remind me. I, I, I started waffling on. What the question?
1: The question was how you got interested in old telephones. And I have in mind you bumped you, you a couple of old engineers who interested you at school or something like that. Was that, was that what happened?
3: Yes. Yeah, so so telephones has been a theme through through my life and your life. I think Stephen. So I I started off. Being interested in how telephones worked when when I was at school, and I, I tapped the telephones into the headmaster's office, and I used to make free phone calls by using different people's uh, telephones. I, I definitely saw it in those days as a um, as a resource to be made use of other people's phone lines, wasn't perhaps quite, uh, perhaps
1: got older and wiser now. But then hang, certainly. Hang when, when, when you say you tapped into the headmasters, do you mean you listened in to phone calls? Or,
3: yes, you know? yes.
2: So <laughs> we had
0: a big
3: reel-to-reel tape recorders and we, we put a tape in and then we went down underground and find the right pair of, uh, that went to the head teacher's office and we started off by just recording his phone calls but then we worked out we managed to get into his office and we put in an extra pair of wires into his telephone to the microphone so we could also record everything that was going on in his office
1: yeah so that was that was my beginning of
3: my interest but then this became a shared interest with your dad and we we got up to all sorts of interesting things and i certainly remember being slightly horrifying seeing your dad had wired up his telephone line as a as a doorbell
1: <laughs> can you remember that Stephen? I, just remind I I, I, me
3: what you did
1: yeah well I mean, it shows i think a little knowledge is a dangerous thing and I, I didn't really have a clue what i was doing but i had in mind that when somebody rang uh our phone it rang the bell and it would be handy if we could do that when somebody was knocking at the door so I diverted the line to a doorbell on the door of my family home because I had a spare bell and um, I I can't quite think how it worked anyway you push the doorbell and this bell rang but it was using the electricity that came from the telephone exchange so it was um, Ah. yeah But, but what I wanted to um to remind ourselves about was actually the the installation of the original car phones about 15, 20 years before they were invented. And I, so you you helped me and together we put together a, uh, a way of a security device for the cars where you had to dial the right number on an old Bakelite phone that was sitting at the front of the car. So before the car would start, uh, we had to dial a certain code. Uh, that's what we did, wasn't
3: it? That, that's exactly right. So I remember we built... It's into, I think it was the, uh, the, I can't remember which car. We went through so many cars, Stephen.
1: You had a Mini and I had a Vauxhall Viva. I can remember that. Yeah. That's right. Yes, you had a, a Viva. But we put
3: in, we put in the um, part of an old telephone exchange in the back of the Mini and you had when you turned the ignition on, before you could start the car, you had to dial the correct number. Now, modern listeners won't understand what the word dial (laughs) is, but where you had to wind the the telephone dial round and let go, and it sent pulses, click, 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 depending on the number. And if you dial the correct number, you could then start the car, and if you dial the wrong number, uh, you couldn't, and a red light came on. Um, but I certainly remember—I don't know if you can remember this—Stephen us driving the Mini, and then if you went over a bump, it would—it uh, <laughs> would reset all the electronic. Well, it wasn't the electronics because it was all mechanical. It reset everything, so you'd suddenly the red light would come on and the car yeah. would stop which was not quite, quite right. I seem to remember, I think it was used to even get, driving the car once and giving a lift to a policeman who was most intrigued by the security device. I didn't, I, <laughs> I
1: didn't give a lift to him. I was stopped by him. I was always I was getting probably, stopped yes, by the police. Yes. Yes. But I mean, they, they were so intrigued by a telephone at the front of the car um, mm. that they sort of, we got distracted from why he'd stopped me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, the other thing we used to do was hold the receiver out the door and say, it's, it's for you, and pass it to in the traffic <laughs> and, and say, I've got a, call, a telephone call. from <laughs> I mean, it, all so very, it
2: wasn't. It wasn't a working phone. It was just a security measure. Yeah, it days. wasn't a working phone because they hadn't been invented one. yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Th-
1: there was no um, <laughs> no sort of signals. Really, so, but... so there was.
2: It didn't make any sense to have a phone in the
1: car at that no, point. not <laughs> yeah. at all. But it did look rather cool. So because of all of that, uh, when I married your mother, my wife, your friend Andrew, uh, Sarah, we went on honeymoon to, to Southern Ireland or to Ireland, I should say. And uh, what a wonderful holiday that was. But I was particularly intrigued to discover that uh, the uh, telecom company there was still installing uh, what we call button A, button B coin boxes. Uh, this is 1985, and they, they went out in the, in, in, in the United Kingdom in, I should say, probably 1975 or something. I can just remember No, earlier than that, maybe 1970, I can just... And a button A, button B coin box was for a public telephone. The way it worked was, if you wanted to make a call, um, it had the coin box alongside the telephone, you go into the telephone kiosk, and you put your money in before you started to dial. You couldn't dial without putting your money in. And once you put your money in, if you got the call answered and somebody answered the phone, they couldn't hear you until you pushed button A, and then your coins dropped into the machine and were lost forever. But if for any reason they didn't answer or you dialed the wrong number and somebody else answered, you could hang up and push button B and your coins came out the side and you got them back again. So this was enormous fun. And um, a great trick was always to go into phone boxes and push button B in the hope that somebody had made a call and forgotten to push it. And just very occasionally you'd get a couple of old pennies trotting out the side because somebody had forgotten to reclaim their unused coins. However, this was a fabulous bit of equipment. um, that I discovered was still being installed in Ireland in 1985. And so I was determined to get hold of one. And uh, so we we stopped a telephone engineer on the road. We noticed somebody who was doing some work on a, a telephone pole and asked him. We asked somebody else and eventually they said, oh, yeah, well, they all go to this place in Dublin to die. So uh, <laughs> on the way back home, we stopped in Dublin and poor old mutts uh, uh, put up with me driving around to find this place and it turned out to be a telephone scrapyard which was, oh, telephone heaven for me and uh, I discovered there was this chap running it and his, his name was, I'm sure he won't mind me saying it uh, Declan Brazil, which is a great name and I remember it sort of 40 years later mm. Declan Brazil. anyway <laughs> he, um, he was a great character, absolutely brilliant and uh, he furnished me free of charge with a button A, button B coin box which uh, I...
0: Is that the one we had in Charlotte Street?
1: It might have been
0: because, because as soon as you started talking about button A, button B, telephone boxes, all I could think of was one that we had in Charlotte Street, because Tommy and I used to play the game of pressing the button that would make the ticker sound and trying to run and touch the front door and get back again before it stopped. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> could I, may, may, before you continue, Stephen, could I just make one observation? The most interesting and astonishing part of your story so far is that this was your honeymoon and (laughs) it seems to me that you took poor Sarah on a trip of telephone exchanges
1: in (laughs) Ireland. It was was a sign (laughs) of things to come, unfortunately. Oh dear, um, well, yes, yes, indeed. (laughs) Anyway, Declan gave me my uh, button A, button B coin box and and home we came. And of course, as soon as I next met up with Andrew, uh, I showed him my trophy. And we agreed that there was only one thing to be done, which was that a return trip to the scrapyard in Dublin was necessary to rescue uh, as much as possible from this uh, fate of of uh, scrap, which we did. Now I don't. I mean the, the details of that are quite hazy, but we we went on a day trip back to Dublin, didn't we? I believe. Can you remember anything about that? Yes, I can remember it very well. We we went back, and as as uh, as your dad
3: says, we it was. An astonishing location. There was all these relics of telephones from history, which were all stored in these massive, I seem to remember, um, metal crates. And uh, we picked through everything and chose whatever we wanted to have shipped back to the UK. It was the most amazing day trip I've ever done, I think. (laughs) So were they not
2: charging for anything? Is it was it like a car scrapyard or something? Like what 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 what
1: were they going to do with them? They were going to well. In fact, they seemed to just be leaving them there because there was one big pile outside, and the deeper you got into it, the older the things got. It was like they kind of just piled stuff huh. on top. They, for them, it was a problem. They didn't, you know, they weren't they weren't waking up to the fact these were things of value, um, and so they were happy just to pass them on to us. Um, And Declan agreed, as Andrew said, to ship them back. And I gave him my address in Leamington Spa, as you say, uh, Charlotte Street. And um, that's important because it was about a quarter of a tonne of equipment. And I paid, well, we paid for the freight by TNT Couriers to get it back to the UK. And um, it was collected. I knew it had been collected on this particular day, but it didn't arrive. And so it seemed to have gone missing. And, and when I rang up, they didn't seem to know anything about it. Um, to cut a rather long story short, eventually it did arrive. And we found out what the problem was, because Declan, God bless him, had addressed this consignment to... Uh, because in those days, there wasn't a European Union. So uh, there was duty to pay between goods travelling between Ireland and the United Kingdom. And so that we didn't have to pay duty on this material... Uh, Declan had put on the invoice um, for museum purposes only no commercial value not for resale and then he'd addressed it, to add credentials to this claim he'd addressed it to the London Telephone Museum, <laughs> Charlotte Street Levington Spa and uh, so apparently the TNG driver had come to Charlotte Street looked at the house said, said mm, that's definitely not a telephone museum <laughs> doesn't like <laughs> a
0: London Museum <laughs>
1: So then they'd gone and looked it up in directory inquiries and found it didn't exist. Anyway, uh, eventually we did, did get it. And he was on a timed delivery, this chap, and he didn't have any un- un- way of unloading it. I just remember uh, him and me pulling off all this multiple bits of stuff and putting it on the pavement and him driving off in a, a cloud of smoke and leaving me surrounded by scrap telephone equipment on the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, but out of that came many hours of fun, a, a bob or two, and also um, when we came to move many years later, um, there was there were some bits left that we uh, we put out on the driveway and a, on what I call a help yourself Saturday, and uh, a few of our neighbours came and helped themselves, and I, I like to think they're they're sort of nursing those things, which are now very now quite valuable. I mean, a Bakelite telephone I think sells for hundred and fifty quid or something, mm. maybe more. No, you I should have know.
0: started the London Museum of uh, of telephones. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> if, only, if only I had the time and wits to do it, it would have, I'm sure, been a, 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 a killer. But anyway, out of that equipment is a link to my next story, which was one of... They had um, uh, amongst it a sort of beautifully um, wooden box with a bell and a winding hand, a little switch on it, and this was, was like a, a mini exchange for a small office, and you could switch between... Somebody could answer the phone and switch the switch and speak to another person in the office um, by wi- ringing, winding the handle, which then rang their bell. And if they wanted to speak, you could say it's the old bat from the bank, for example. And if they wanted to speak to the old bat from the bank, um, then uh, or so-and-so, then they could, uh, you could put them through. Anyway, this wooden box I had on the wall in, in our house, and it was, it was just an attractive thing. And if you might remember, I cross-wired it so that when you wound the handle... It rang the bell, and we used to do it sometimes for meal times. Don't know if you remember. I that. I don't, not at all.
0: I think I do, yeah.
1: I might have done it when nobody mm. was around, perhaps. <laughs> 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 it, but it was it, it was it was a sort of feature on the wall, and um, when mm. when you were born, Tommy. Um, in 1992... we had In 1993, we had a reunion. <laughs> the, thir- the third of four episodes of which my date of birth is uh, brought up for some reason. Oh, 1992,
0: well. the little Thomas. It's a
1: benchmark, because in 1993, <laughs> because we had a reunion of all the parents who had had children the year before. and uh, That was, it was 1992, a, was it? It was. Uh, we had it in 1993, the year <laughs> after. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway all these people came round, and um, one of them was a troubleshooter for the British telecom and the telephone company and He saw my interest in phones by looking at this wooden box on the wall and indeed the a b coin box on the other wall and He said, "Oh, you might be interested in what we 've just discovered in birmingham 's telephone museum." He said, because um they are just decommissioning the World War contingency planning unit in the basement of the telephone exchange now." You have to sort of imagine uh, that Andrew and I grew up at a time when we were certain the Russians were a major threat to our existence and the British government and European governments. It was more a case of not if there would be a world war involving the Russians, a nuclear war, but when. And there were there were systems for um, warning bells that would go three minutes before a nuclear bomb was exploded, and people were taught a little bit in certain places how to take cover and so on. And it was it was just part of what we lived with. It was definitely going to happen: nuclear war, I and mean, would probably be an extinction level event. It would would finish most of human life as we knew it. But I mean, it was just because we grew up with this; it, it didn't seem so dramatic. Anyway, <laughs> not much of a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> but of, of course, governments were making plans, contingency plans for that event because. All the leaders want to survive such a thing. So they had a whole network of underground rooms, bunkers, um, laboratories, hospitals that were all hidden away but ready for that day. that They had three minutes to go and commission. And one of them was a communications network that would um, supersede the telephone network because, as you may or may not know, when the, an uh, atomic bomb explodes, there's what they call an electronic magnetic Pulse EMP anyway, electromagnetic. That's the one. I didn't think it sounded quite right.
2: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> EMP,
1: and it it will it knocks out potentially all um, electronic and communications equipment. So before the explosion of the actual bomb itself, you'd lose your communications. So whatever was left would still not work. So they had underneath mm. a Birmingham telephone exchange and the major cities um, a an alternative exchange now Andrew can you describe what they're like because um they were they were things of great beauty I think you'll agree uh,
3: well gosh Stephen, not only uh, were they things of great beauty they are I've still got the one uh in at home <laughs> and when you made a call the operator was wearing headphones like we are now but would plug the uh, uh, um a uh, a telephone jack into the right socket and the little golf things they call like golf balls would when a call was was coming through someone was winding their handle to, to the operator it would spit a, a little golf ball would spin round and it would show the number so the exchange we have in at home is uh, I think a 25 lines it uh, could have connected to it the great advantage and it's astonishing that in the sort of 60s and 70s it was being used for in the event of a nuclear war is because it's because it's so mechanical it was just physical connections um uh, it was it it wouldn't have been affected uh, because there was no electronics in it at all so um, these things were finally decommissioned, and presumably somewhere today there is a slightly more modern version of of these things being used in case uh, in case everything mm. stops working.
1: But they they, they 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 sort of a bit like a bit of furniture. They they're like about a meter wide. It's a bit like a writing desk to look at. Um, but the t-
0: the top has got holes all along, right? Yeah, that's right.
1: Yes. And each of I, the holes. It looks
2: like an old synthesizer to me. I
0: really remember plugging the plugs in because they mm. were really satisfying to like plug in, and I, I don't know yeah. why you, there was sort of a kind of a fun game to be had of.
1: And each plug had a long sort of cable, and he pulled yeah. it off, and it and it was weighted, so it went back down to its position. I mean, people listening to this will find it very difficult to picture, but they might have seen them in old films and stuff. And that you had a, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's like a thing of of interest, of beauty. Maybe interest. Andrew, you could send us a photo of your one, and we could
2: put it on. I'll our...
3: send I'll send you a photo. Oh, yeah. I will. But the only time I've ever used one myself was when my father in law was in um, uh, was in South Africa. And we needed to phone him, I can't remember why, uh, when we were in Maidenhead, so it's not that long ago. And um, so I had to go through the international operator to phone South Africa. So in those days, you got through to the operator and they said, which country? And I said, South Africa. And then they said, which, what exchange? And I said, Jane Furs, which was the name of the hospital. And they looked at, found that. And then they said, what number? And they say, caller, what number? And I said, oh, Jane Furs 2. And they said no, 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 very crossly. We need to know the num the number of the tele- uh, the the subscribers number. And I said no, that is the numbers. Jane Furs two, and it was one yeah. of these telephone exchanges that I saw in the hospital and the um, my father-in-law was his line was number two so sure (laughs) enough they called through to Jane Furs and I remember the operator was a blind man a a South African guy who operated this because he did everything by feel and then he would plug the call into the the socket with number two bias, and sure enough I got through so and I've seen that exchange but that's the the last time I've ever used one, uh, um, um, used natural one. But I'll send you a photo. It is, as Stephen says, it's all beautifully oak, uh, 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 like a bit of oak furniture.
2: When you say yours has 25, what did you say about it?
3: It has 25 inputs or something. It, it, it was 25, or it might be 50, I
2: can't they're, remember.
1: They're 50s. No, they're 50s. Oh,
3: yeah. they're 50s, yeah, 50 mm. lines. And then it had about probably about four lines coming into it. So what that means is the operator could be handling four calls at once and he would route them to the right... The right um the right phone, and it was purely mechanical thing. And he had a handle to wind to call people. And uh, so, what does the fifty mean? Is that the number? That's of... the number of number of different phones on the exchange. Like you know, the, uh, in a village, your, for your telephone exchange, your telephone exchange in in Godalming might be ten thousand
1: lines. Uh, well, this oh, has I see. fifty lines right. going into it. You could have conversations between the fifty, right. which didn't involve the line coming in or out. The four lines coming in or out, but. There's only four lines that go to other exchanges around the country and so on. Ah. But, I mean, just to finish the story, he said, you'd be interested in what we found in in Birmingham Telephone Museum, uh, Telephone Exchange. And it was um, ten of these exchanges were about to be incinerated the following week. And um, I thought, we can't, that's that's a crime.
2: Declan wouldn't have any of this.
1: Declan would be horrified (laughs) and... uh, so anyway, we, um, I borrowed a friend's van and we went up to the, the telephone exchange and we rescued four. And um, one of them I sold to Andrew's brother. Uh, one of them went to Andrew. One of them came to, uh, to our house and the other one we gave to a charity auction. But um, the, the, I had to sign a contract because it had some, a certain chemical in it that you're not supposed to throw away. And so they have to be properly disposed of. Um, but it, but, but six of them got incinerated. How sad is that? Mm. But, but four were rescued.
3: And they've been poisoning me ever since <laughs> with their <laughs> chemicals. <laughs> what happened to the one that we used to have?
2: Then?
1: Well, it's rather a shame because during the period, it came out to France, where I'm speaking to you from, and the world, oh, yeah. And it's, oh, really? it sat for two years outside, um, although it was sealed up as best I could, it did suffer a bit from, um, invasion from various uh insects and so on it's 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 in store and it might be um smartened up one day or it probably will be be sold it is so still, there. Yeah, still mm. here mm. but originally my idea was to have a telephone in all the buildings and all the rooms here and have that exchange mm. to connect them but i mean life's a little bit short <laughs> to do all the things we want to do
2: you have to employ someone to sit there permanently in case well, that's you need right. need yes. the other building.
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, since, so, he, since he arrived here, Andrew's been extremely useful, so he could probably f- fulfil that role as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, those were my three stories about
3: telephones. Um, well, could I just add something to that? Because I remember, I mean, I grew up with these A, B phone boxes in, in telephone boxes. And if you made a call, it was... Automatically, as as your dad said, you press button A or button B. But if you phoned the operator um, and wanted to make a long-distance call, the operator would tell you now to deposit 10p or whatever, uh, a shilling or pence. And, and as you put it, each coin in, it would the, uh, the coin as it fell would hit a gong and it would make a different sound, like ding or dong, oh. whether you put a shilling or one pence in. But we managed to get hold, I can't think where, we got hold of the key <laughs> that could coming. open, not the, the money box, but would open the top part. And if you just yeah. took a BIC biro, and when the operator said, deposit three shillings and twelve <laughs> and seven pence, you just went, ding, 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 for the three shillings, and then you went dong, 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 and you counted, and the operator would count it and connect you for three minutes. Yeah. And uh, you got three minutes, you had to pay for three minutes, and then after three minutes, the operator would come on the line and say, deposit more money, caller, deposit more money, and if you didn't, you got cut off. And you, you yeah. would plead to the operator, say, please, just let me say one more thing, and then you'd get cut mm. off. So. Okay.
1: Different days. It gives the idea that we had a lifetime of criminal activity. But, I mean, <laughs> I which is say, true, yeah, which every, is totally true. It was all criminal activity. Your dad was a criminal <laughs> and
3: he's, it's about time he faced up
1: to it. I mean, mo- mostly it was sort of relatively harmless experimentation. But, I mean, some of the things I'm not particularly proud of, but they were an awful lot of fun.
0: <laughs> all the telephone stories were reminding me of um, the moment when... Uh, me and my friends when we were teenagers and we realised that telephone boxes have their own phone number, which seems really, um, really obvious, but it just it just hadn't occurred to me. But I think because I knew them as things that you called out from, it didn't occur to me that you could call in until, I can't remember how we, remem- we realised it, but we did. And then I remember spending... Too much time probably <laughs> calling phone boxes and and waiting to see if anyone would go past and like and answer them, and quite somehow. often people did, and you sort of I, know, I can't remember what we used to say when they when they answered, but mm. we just had we had loads of fun trying to, like trying to see whether whether we could get people to answer just a random ringing phone box. So here's a question.
1: Do you think you would answer a ringing phone in a phone box?
0: Uh, d- definitely. I knew you wouldn't disappoint I, me, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm always amazed by how many people don't like answering phone numbers that they don't know when they come into their phone. But for me, when I see a number that I don't know calling, I'm like... Ooh, what is this <laughs> gonna be about? Might it might be something really me? interesting. I mean, more often than not, it is the the thing that's happening at the moment is the really automated voice that says it's like got some script that says like your national insurance number is has been linked to criminal activity and you'll be arrested unless <laughs> you like verify it. And it's it's so it's very, very fake, but it's also the language they're using is very terrifying, but yeah. yeah, so it's more often than not, it's that kind of thing rather than anything actually exciting. But
1: This is nothing to do with my experience or history, but it's a great story, and I'll just tell it very quickly, which is that somebody was working in an office and the photocopier broke down and uh, they found that the only chap who knew how to repair it, who usually worked there, was on a day off. So they thought they'd ring him up and ask how to change the ink cartridge or something like that. And um, they went to the um, file and looked up his phone number, copied it down, and went back and dialed it, and uh, the the man answered, and oh, they said, oh, uh, John, we've just got a problem with the photocopy. I wondered if um, if you could um, if you could help us change the ink cartridge. And he went, what? He said, how on earth did you know it was me? And he said, well, we just dialed your phone number. And he said, no, I'm in town. I'm just walking past the phone box, and I picked up the phone and answered it because it was ringing. And then uh. they checked they checked back and they realised he'd copied down his national insurance number instead of his phone number. And he happened to happen to be the number of the phone he was walking past at that time. And I heard I heard that on a BBC program about synchronicity, so it must be true. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say where
2: where did this story come out? It's too good to be. But also, yeah, there was a
3: with Jess's story about phoning up phone boxes. There was a golden time. I never did this, but I read about it and saw the website when webcams first came out. There was a there was. Um, there was a a website you could go to and it gave phone numbers of phone boxes and also the webcam you could you, uh, link to, it showed oh. that phone box. So you could oh. completely freak people out because you'd ring that phone number <laughs> while you were watching and you could see who went into the phone box to answer your phone call. Oh, that's and then so
0: weird.
3: Uh, I never did it, but I thought there was a certain fascination in, in doing that. I'm sure you would have done that, Jess, if you'd had, the, uh, if you'd <laughs> yeah. had that website.
0: There's something very, oh, I know that's exactly the same as what I was just saying that we were doing. But it's this a bit more
1: spookier. <laughs> <it>? Yeah, <laughs> yes. different yeah. about
0: doing it in real life to online. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but that, that whole no. thing about random connections that might or might not lead anywhere has been the story of my life really so it's always good to ring a mm. phone box I think and answer is. a phone box yeah
0: so h- how old were you two when you met I, I think we were
1: 16 said... I think if I work it out oh, okay. correctly yes and
3: I think we were 16 I think that's right and and I'm sure You will have heard this story from your dad about the time your dad and I made the world's, we claim, the world's first email. I love your story. Social Um, email. Now, although others had done it before, we managed to do an email which was uh, about arranging a social event. And before that, computers sending messages to each other were pretty uh, boring sending status reports and weather reports and so on so I think Stephen do you would you agree I think we can claim we made the
1: world's first social email communication well it did it didn't dawn on me until you mentioned that a while back that it was but yeah because I I was still at school 1974 I think and or five and um, our school had a telex tele tele link to the mainframe computer at Guildford University where Andrew was working in the chemistry department This can all be tracked down and traced and uh, lawsuits can follow. I mean, I I just did as I was told. I mean, I wasn't culpable in any sense. But what Andrew found was that there was a way of of opening a, a common file, it was called, and leaving a message. And I could open that same common file from the school during the lunchtime by sneaking into the computer room. And uh, and then I could read the message and, and close it down, and open it up again and leave a reply. So, I mean, I think your message was, shall we play tennis after school, after I work today? And my message was, yeah, great, shall we invite some friends or something like that? But but in order to shut down the school computer, you had to type the word finish, which was the computer code for shutting it down. It was, I mean, you know, everything, computers only do what they are told. And the shutdown command was finish. And I knew I know on this one particular occasion, I was in this little cubicle um, so guiltily. I mean, I, I just have never felt so guilty in all my life because I really shouldn't have been there. And um, <laughs> the, the period was ending, the end of lunch hour, and the others would be coming in. Anyway, I was typing finish madly, finish, 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 and it just wouldn't shut down. And I was thinking, what am I going to do? Because it's all sitting there chattering away with the teletyper and... Anyway, eventually I realised I was spelling Finnish with two N's. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, computers being what they are, it didn't actually. Uh, but I, I think I'm right, command. you
3: found that printout a few years ago, Stephen.
1: Yeah, no, I've got a copy of that. Yeah, yeah, yes. Have you? Yeah. From, from the teletype. I, I haven't got the original, but I've got a photocopy of it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not ground, ground shaking content, but it is. Because I think the first peer to peer message was around 1971 or 72. And then, it, as Andrew says, then mostly it was military and and uninteresting stuff. But we did send the first social social networking message. Yeah, Very we did indeed. Amazing. Well,
2: you'll have to send us a digital copy of that. And we'll we'll pop it on as well. We'll yeah. be uh, on our Instagram so we can people can see the telephone exchange and the first social email. Yeah, <laughs> groundbreaking stuff.
3: Groundbreaking stuff. All this criminal activity leading to.
2: <laughs> no, you know, I, I have to say you're.
3: Your dad was discussing what to talk about today, and of all the different criminal activities, we—I think your dad decided this was the least one, the one that was least worrying to talk about. Maybe the other activities are for another day.
0: There are two things to talk about quickly, really. Um, the dress. The dress. Exactly. The um, recurring
2: segment that should never should have not been be a recurring, recurring. segment.
0: <laughs> Andrew, just to catch you up on this, um, I started making a dress, uh, gosh, I can't remember when I started, but it was before our first ever recording of the podcast. And on the first recording, I talked about how I was trying to make my own clothes or or this was my first foray into seeing what it was like and seeing how possible it was. And uh, every podcast so far, there's been a kind of, how are you getting on? And I haven't quite finished it and I haven't quite finished it. And I said to Tommy yesterday, I was like, I absolutely have to finish that dress like yesterday evening because we're going to do the podcast tomorrow and, and it's going to come up. And did I do it? Absolutely mm. not. So sadly, <laughs> it's still a work in progress. But I, I, I tried it on today for the first time. And it's, um, it's, it's, it hasn't totally worked. Let's put it that way. So I think it's, I think no. it's a good experiment. But I think maybe yeah. I should try something slightly different clothes wise mm. uh, and come back to the dress when I... I don't know, have a bit more skill.
1: Well, I mean, it, it still yeah. remains an excellent thread because, I mean, the whole idea was about sustainable, we, less... Excellent oh, excellent thread.
0: <laughs> thread.
1: An excellent thread. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, it's a good thing to keep coming back to because it reminds us that we should be thoughtful about what we wear. Yes. So there you go. And what was the second thing? Or is was there wasn't a the second thing? Well,
0: the second thing was was more of a question that came up um, in, in a WhatsApp group that Tommy and I were in a long time ago. Um but it made it, it made me want to ask the question. What is the weirdest named WhatsApp group that you're part oh. of?
1: The Podclarks, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a member of many groups. But, um, Andrew, how about you? No, I'm,
3: I don't think I'm, I'm a member of any groups or, that I can think of, <laughs> apart from family ones. So, no, no nothing. To, uh, but I'm much more inter- interested in your own answer, Tom and <laughs> Jess, to that question. Well, we've got, I mean, Jess and I
2: are in many together that's one thing the first one that springs into my mind which i have absolutely no idea where the name came from but it's me sam and jess so us three in the house and uh it's called the raccoon platoon it's not sure where, where it came from but that's what that's called
0: yeah i've got no idea what they came from well, the idea for the question came from uh, we were having a really silly conversation um, with a group of friends on a, on a WhatsApp group called Outdatedly Named.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I can't even remember it where. It was
2: because it was originally a group of us who were going on holiday together. But then eventually we added another friend who didn't go to New York yes. in that group and uh, but the group was still called like New York trip 2019 or something or 2018 and it was merrily being 2021 and nothing to do with New York so then we renamed it outdatedly named group and it's now sort of became our it's our now the name for that Nick group really we're like oh yeah we, yeah <laughs> have you <we> <laughs> seen the outdatedly named
1: gang this weekend yeah okay <laughs> i i i seem to have been previously a member of goodbye 2016 which um All that happens on that thread is that you were added and then you left. (laughs) I wasn't very interested in it. And then there's one really heartbreaking one that's just called No Jess which uh, when we were trying to do secret stuff with her behind Jess's back and to remind us that she wasn't supposed to know about uh, her, it, it yeah. was called No Jess. But we, yeah. we, I know we all felt bad about it, so we shut it down because it just, it just felt bad, really. <laughs>
0: what, what, what secret stuff? Uh, like,
1: You'll
0: you never know, Jess. I know, I know. Now I'm so
3: intrigued.
1: It will have been a birthday or something. It was a birthday we, something. Oh, yeah. That's what you think they were having fun <laughs> without you <laughs> and then I've got one here called Tommy's a rotter I don't no. that's a, oh, that's no. a joke <laughs>
0: a myriad of sillily named whatsapp groups Silily
1: well let's get, um, let's get dear listener please give us a five star rating but also comment with your whatsapp names whatsapp group <laughs> if there is a dear listener
2: best one wins a, wins a prize which is Holiday Mallorca Holiday Mallorca uh yes no 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 holidays promised
0: <laughs> disclaimer at the end of every yeah. episode
1: well I think I think that was a good inning absolutely there's plenty it's... of my voice and I like the sound of my voice so. <laughs>
3: Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it was great to have you on Andrew
0: yeah really great
3: yeah lo- lovely to see you all it's such a so so nice to to see the three of you yeah
2: it's been a really long time hasn't it I can't remember
3: well I guess we saw you at Dad's fiftieth but
2: uh, 50th 60th 60th yes maybe at 50th as well oh, yeah. but yeah. yeah yes um
1: yes. gosh well it's goodbye from me
0: goodbye from
1: me and i'm afraid it's goodbye from me
3: and it's goodbye from me <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs>